This morning's scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 7. That's John 14, verse 27. Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is God's word. We've been spending the last uh, month and a half of Sundays laying some crucial uh, groundwork for our church, some foundation, by really getting into and grappling with the mission that God has given us as a church and how we sense that he has envisioned us carrying out that mission. So our mission, which hopefully you, you know or at least recognize by now, we won't have another contest this week. But our mission is to introduce people to Jesus and to help them grow by his grace. Introduce people to Jesus and help them grow by his grace. And the four avenues through which we want to do this are community, outreach, worship, and service. We want to introduce people to Jesus, help them grow not by their own strength, their own works, by habit, by tradition, but by grace. Now, I want to say a couple words, though, on vision for a moment. Uh, mission tends to remain constant, but vision can actually change over time. And God asks those whom he calls to shepherd the church to seek his face about vision and to impart it to people lest, as Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, the people perish. People can't grow frustrated, you know, tired, lethargic, if they don't know what they're working toward and doing what we do and serving how we serve. But vision is not a God, all right? It's, we hold on to vision because God has called us to it, but the idea is we hold on to it loosely. Plus, God just does what he wants to do, right? It's, it's not as if, you know, he's up in his heavenly boardroom Saying, you know, I want to do a radical work through Sunrise Community Church. Jesus, will you go pull the file? Right, see what their vision statement is? He's like, sure, God. You know, it doesn't do that. And the Holy Spirit's, of course, what do we have here? You have community outreach, worship, and service to work with. What do you want? Right? And the Holy Spirit's like, well, they don't have a worship leader. All right, so I guess we've got to provide one of those. All right, this is not how God tends to work. But at the same time, he does call his leaders to set forth a vision. So there's this tension between God asking us to be faithful to that which he's called us and yet always be ready and responsive to his surprises. And we see this tension in this morning's scripture reading, right? John 14, 27, which says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What a wonderful promise that Jesus gives, right? It's like, I don't know, Psalm 23 as an herbal tea, right? You're like just drinking it. Oh, yes, peace. I love you. Remember Psalm 23, right? Even if you, you haven't been to church in eons, you've probably heard, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. But in John 14, Jesus has one major caveat right in the middle of this verse. One major caveat 
where he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. And that's important, right? The world says peace is literally lying down in green pastures, or at least seeing that on my HDTV. That is peaceful. Yes. Literally having that. Whereas God's translation for peace is frequently makes me lie down in my own bed, right? With a surgically repaired retina. I have a good friend, James Rawcliffe over here, right? Who had to endure lack of peripheral vision, eye issues, not hardly able to see his own family. Somehow that, that, that is how God will deliver peace to us. Sometimes by making us lie down in pain. And my point is is that Jesus rarely ushers in peace by eliminating Pepto-Bismol circumstances, right? Those things that make us go to the pink stuff, to the Tums, he rarely gives peace in that sort of way. But it says, since peace in the form of an unexpected friend who accompanies you in the midst of life's trials and life's storms, right? Or an unanticipated gift of grace where others might just see messiness and pain. You see that gift of grace in the midst of that. And peace comes. Uh, Tim and Irene Dirksen, members of our congregation, woke up Wednesday morning to a phone call from the police constable. The constable said, your car was broken into. And of course, Tim's like, you know, I mean, the one right outside my door. And it was surprising, obviously, because usually when something like that happens, you're calling the police. In this case, they called him because this thief had broken into multiple cars. And as their car was rummaged through and items were stolen, right in front of their door, they had every reason, right, to feel violated. Something like that happens, right? You can feel a sense of like, man, someone has gotten into my business. But Irene commented that she had a tremendous sense of peace. Because it seemed clear from how things were situated in the car that while rummaging through the items, the thief came across Tim's Bible and then stopped. And she said just seeing that gave her an overwhelming sense that God was taking care of her family, that he was in control. When others would be bummed that they lost their Oakleys, right? (laughs) Jesus is ever reliable to deliver on his promise of peace. But it comes in unexpected ways and in surprising moments, right? So this morning is sort of, uh, we're going to do sort of a recap or a summary of this short series, Mission Envisioned. We're at the end of it. And as I began to look back at each of the messages, I went back and looked at them. The theme summarized by John 14, 27 really stood out. The church is simply not what you'd expect. That's because Jesus and his gospel of grace will never stop appearing surprising and even unexpected, even though simultaneously Jesus and his great, the grace he offers are ever reliable and never changing. They're both. And I want to see, us to see this because it affects, I think, the way we view church and see ourselves as integral members of it. Okay? 
So we're going to start with the mission. We're going to do a little recap of the things we uh, covered the last six weeks. You can go back online and listen to some of these if they sound interesting. First of all, our mission is to introduce people to Jesus. Start with that part of the mission. Jesus said, I do not give as the world gives. What would the world give? They would give a politically correct Jesus who says he loves everyone. Right? And when it comes to taking care of people or healing people, he never discriminates, right? He heals everyone. God gives a man who speaks love very specifically, even discriminately. What do I mean by that? He will talk about, Jesus talks about, and and reminds us of the Father's comprehensive, universal love for everyone. But when Jesus speaks of love, on the cross, he thinks about finding his mom, someone who can take care of her. That's what he's thinking of. He's thinking about one of his disciples having a maternal figure. Very specific. He hands out nicknames to people, right? Even to enemies, even to people who are trying to kill him. Like Herod, who he calls that fox Herod. He hands out specific praise. Unlike other men I know, he hands out specific praise to people. Often unlikely people. Not what you'd expect. The other part of our vision is to help people grow by grace. What would the world say about this? They would say, well, you grow by hard work. Right? By working your way up the ladder. And don't worry, God, he's going to take note of how hard you worked and how long you've been a good person. But Jesus says, I grace, I help anyone who continually puts their trust in me to supply all their needs. That's all that's required is trust. You don't visit the cross as if it's a once in a lifetime pilgrimage. I was saved through it. Instead, you rack up the frequent flyer miles. Returning to the cross every day of your life. Keep your heart and mind trusting in my saving grace is what Christ communicates. Because grace produces growth, not man-centered effort. Not what we'd expect from everything the world communicates to us. So that's mission. But what about God's vision for his church? It's the same thing. We faithfully receive the unexpected and surprising. So first we have community. Community is sort of the first pillar of our, our vision. The world would say you relate through common interests, associations, right? Similarities. Age, gender, hobbies, personalities, right? Seasons of life. These things make sense. But the church, the strongest bond is between potential enemies. The strongest of bonds between potential enemies. As we looked at Ephesians chapter 2 a number of weeks ago, we looked at how potential enemies, Jews and Gentiles, fellowship because Jesus Christ is their truest, most lasting bond, most lasting glue between people. And in churches, people often have these false standards that determine if they'll relate with other people. But Jesus Christ gives us one standard, that is faith in him. That's what bonds us. If we're honest, many of us look around, and on the surface, 
here at sunrise, you might see lesser versions of all you miss about the church of your homeland or the church of your youth. And it might start, by the way, with the pastor, a lesser version of what you're used to. But you see a children's ministry with very willing volunteers, okay? But the facilities aren't exactly what you're accustomed to. We have community. You have community. But you find that you don't connect as quickly with other people. Right? You smell and you taste coffee. But you're pretty sure Dunkin' Donuts is just substitute, substituted Senka. Right? Lesser versions of what you're used to. But with each potential difference arises an opportunity, friends, to be more like the church that God describes by seeing Jesus expand as the glue that bonds you to unlikely people, even potential enemies. And so this is going to be a bold statement here, but I want to say this for you expatriates especially. Because of the diversity in this church and on this island, you have greater potential to practice biblical Christ-centered community than wherever you're from. Here. And that doesn't mean you and I will practice that. In fact, the world would say you are less likely to. And really, in reality, you probably are less likely to. But it's what is impossible with man is possible with God. The kind of diversity, the kind of difference we have here means we have greater potential. Because with more differences becomes a greater possibility that Christ will expand as the glue that bonds us. Do you realize that here? Community. What about outreach? The world would say, here's how you do outreach. You make your church marketable. So people will want to come to you. Right? But the church is called to go to the market. The Apostle Paul literally did this. He made a habit of visiting the Agora, which was the uh, marketplace of the Roman city. And that was the center of town. That was the center of life for these cities in the Roman world. He would go to the market. So the biblical pattern is not, I want you to know Jesus, so come to church. But I want you to know Jesus, so I'm going to bring church to you. My experience of exalting Christ, the benefit I've had from fellowship in church, what I've learned from teaching to you. The world would say that's inefficient. But they don't have God behind what they do. Finally, worship. Well, actually, not finally, worship. Thirdly, worship. The world would say, oh, worship. You go to church, you sing a hymn, then you go back to work. It's a slice of the pie in your life. But the church is called to go to church, sing, learn, give, all of which are acts of worship, and then worship while you work, right? And with your work. Because everything we do is loaded with worship potential. Right? Everything that we do that doesn't violate God's law is loaded with worship potential. The world would say, leave that behind, leave that to church. But God says, no, continue to worship. 
Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means there's potential in everything to worship him. Finally, service. The world would say, as my grandfather used to say, wrongly, God helps those who help themselves. Which is interesting, by the way. And, and like, if you ever listen to people being interviewed or you talk to people who serve, maybe who don't know Christ, or, or maybe they do, they'll, be, they'll ask, you know, why do you like helping people? And oftentimes they say, I just get such a good feeling from helping other people. Which really is just another way of helping yourself, isn't it? By serving others, the world says, oh, you'll get a good feeling out of it. In other words, you help yourself. But the church is called to this. God gives gifts to those who use them to help others. He actually gives more gifts for those who use what they have to help other people. Not what you'd expect, the church. Pardon me, you'll have to pardon me for a moment if I take a time out here just to reflect on how God's surprising but faithful way of doing things has translated itself to our church, the Sunrise Community Church. And for me, it's sort of a natural time to reflect because I have a break coming up here. Uh, I'm going to be gone starting next week for almost all of July as uh, my family and I get away to take a little R&R. And let me say, while gone, I'm actually going to visit my old church. And I'm going to see people and things that I miss while I'm there. But my home is here where I see God faithfully but surprisingly at work. And it's awesome. Think about it. Think about this with me. Community groups. Frankly, I can't believe with the diversity that we have in these things, that they've not only survived. I mean, there's like six continents in most of these, a lot of these community groups. But not only have they survived, but they've flourished. And, and we're even poised to open at least one more in the fall. Awesome. Outreach. There's so many examples of pe- people reaching out to the community with the gospel and with care and concern. For instance, over half the people here a few Sundays ago signed up to help with our outreach to Georgetown Primary School. And if you're interested in that, by the way, you can learn more and sign up actually online. But one recent example really stands out where there was a woman in our church who driving along spotted and started relating with a woman from the Women's Crisis Center. And the woman in our church informally contacted others in the church who rallied together to provide food vouchers, to provide uh, silverware, towels, diapers, all kinds of different things for this woman. And now this woman is an enthusiastic and even contributing part of our church. Not that that was the goal, not that happened, and, and it's not phony at all either. But she wants to be a part of what's going on here. She sees God at work. Worship. Think about worship. We've been using music videos for now most of the time I'm here. I mean, some of you might think, what is, am I watching VH1 here when I come into church, right? And I, when I started this, I expected my inbox to just fill up with <laughs> constructive criticism about this, all right? 
you know, with, with like links to Chris Tomlin's website or maybe like, um, you know, links to don'tworshiplikeapagan.com because clearly you're doing that in the church. But what's so cool is that people have seen the essence of worship to experience and then express this glory to God wherever you are and however you can. Service, man. We have a church run by volunteers serving one another. And I got to say, most of these folks, they didn't have to say this. They had every right, but they didn't ask, why should I serve? But instead, how can I be of help? How can I most be of help here? As C.S. Lewis once said, reality in fact, is usually something you could not have guessed. That is one of the reasons I believe in Christianity. It is a religion you could not have guessed. If it offered us the kind of universe that we had always expected, I should feel we were making it up. But in fact, it is not the sort of thing anyone would have made up. It has just that strange twist about it that real things have. So let us leave behind these boys' philosophies, these oversimple answers. It's true, isn't it? The cross, perfect justice with Christ paying for sin, the only man who's ever lived the perfect life, but also God, but inexpressible, inexhaustible mercy coming together, wed together, in a way the world has never seen. It, no one could have thought up the worst, most humiliating punishment for criminals would be the way that God expressed His greatest glory and draw us to Himself. No one could have thought it up. But it's awesome. It is folly, the Bible says, to, uh, to Greeks, foolishness to Jews, but to us who are being saved, the power and the wisdom of God. Jesus, through his church, is reliably surprising. Yeah? Or is it surprisingly reliable? It's both, isn't it? Why does this matter? At sunrise, we're not always going to do things the easy way. Let me tell you, as as an elder, I think I speak for the elders when I say... This is tempting when making decisions. It is simpler and puts less gray hairs on my head. And they are coming, friends. Don't get too close. Here I come, Propecia. All right. Less gray To bypass, it's easier and simpler to bypass God's word. And make things easier on everybody. Making things easiest is sometimes the least loving thing to do. So community and the way we do community may surprise you. And no doubt, there will seem times where the option is there to do it in a way that's easier and that would more quickly fulfill your immediate needs. But through Christ, you can always rely that God will provide someone. For outreach may seem inefficient. It may seem unorthodox. Not what you'd really expect. Or imagine. But 
When reaching out to people, the gospel of grace is something you always have, and it is the most powerful tool that can break through any person's stony heart. You see, that can be surprising, but it's always reliable. The church won't ever be quite what you or I would have expected. But as we seek a reliable Savior and depend on His reliable Word, we can view each of these surprises as a gift of grace that will draw us nearer both to God and to one another. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful. I know I am just sort of in awe when I think about how you are both reliably surprising, unexpected, doing great things beyond what we could ask or imagine. But you're also surprisingly reliable in a world where people let us down, even our spouses, our closest friends. You're surprisingly faithful and reliable. Lord, I sometimes wonder, why are you both of those things towards us? Why do you act and work in such a way? And I think it's because simply you call us to depend on you. You want us to be people who depend on you, who are parasites of you, who say we can't do anything on our own. We desperately need you, Jesus. And so oftentimes you comfort us when we're disturbed. You comfort the disturbed. You give and show your reliability through faithful promises, through your word, through one another. But then, at other times, you disturb the comforted. When we get comfortable with ourselves, with our own works, with our pride, with how we do things, you come in and you surprise and disturb us. Thank you for doing both of those things in our lives. We ask that you would continue to do that, not only individually, but with us as a church. Look forward, Lord, for all you have to do in the coming years, decades in Sunrise Community Church. In Jesus' name, amen.